Welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader, and today we are bringing you the latest in esports crypto and NFT news. Before we get started, a word about our sponsor, EMP.money from Jacob. Jacob? Hey, Ryan. Good to be here. Thanks for uh, the introduction. Super excited for another Esports Forever podcast episode. As usual, we're sponsored here by EMP Money today. Uh, EMP is an algorithmic stablecoin. Uh, it's actually an algo coin, a little bit different than a stablecoin, built on the Binance Smart Chain, and it's pegged to Ethereum at a 4,000 to 1 ratio. You've probably heard about the detonator contract, but they actually just released a kind of a new version of the detonator contract. And instead of EMP ETH LP, it's going to take eShare BNB LP. So a different LP pair, kind of a better LP pair in a sense, because you know, you're, you're allowed to sell off eShare and BNB in the EMP ecosystem. It's kind of accepted and encouraged. Um, but, you know, new product, exciting stuff. Happy to have them with us and happy to talk about some esports stuff today with you, Ryan. Now, that's known as the reactor, right? That's that's what I've seen go live for them. Yeah, that is, yeah, it's the, re- the reactor. They have a very, way very they have a way with words uh, that definitely builds up the hype that they want and the hype that they deserve, honestly. So. Uh, while we don't provide yeah. official financial advice, we do thank them for their support, and we do recommend that you go check out their community and what they're offering. Because honestly, uh, get in, get in now. If you're gonna get in, get in before the merge. Uh, especially if you're a, a crypto buff and you know what I'm talking about. We're gonna be talking about it today, a little bit later. Um, yeah, but uh, diving right into it here. Want to dive into esports first, as usual. LCK happened this past weekend for League of Legends, this big championship series that's held uh, every single year, multiple times throughout the year. But why am I mentioning it, Jacob? I'm mentioning this because more than half of the total games that are all in a best of five format went to five yeah. games. This is a really, really big deal because in years past, it's either, oh, it's going to be a complete blowout, three games and done, no real competition, maybe done in four, but more than half of the games going to five games in order to determine a winner. That means that, you know, as the article suggests, we are starting to reach an apex in competitive League of Legends where teams are not so much outclassing each other as much as they used to. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't yeah. some teams that are not better than others because there definitely are. But half of the teams in LCK, or L- uh, I think it's LCK. I'm sorry. I might have said LCS. LCK yeah. going to five games, that's a big deal. You know, that it's just an even play. Is this field. a good thing? Is this a good thing to you or no? I think it's a good thing. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a, I think the main thing out of esports is entertainment, right? I mean, you, you want the players to have the, the competitive edge and fun of playing. And obviously, if I'm a if I'm a coach, I want my players to do it in three games. I don't need my players playing an extra two games. <laughs> that could be an hour. That could be an hour and a half extra at most 45 minutes a piece. Or more, you know, or less, right? But if I'm a uh, a participant, an audience member, the players recognize this too. They are there for my entertainment, and so honestly, I truly think this is a positive thing. And that, as the the article is very opinionated and leaning towards, oh, you know, this is the apex of entertainment, and you know, I I am willing to agree. 
because I think that you need to keep people on the edge of their seat and you want to keep them entertained as much and as long as possible. And a game of five is going to be the thing that brings back a viewer for the next LCK. Right. I think that's what it does. That's just one yeah. of the things players can do this too. Right. If there's a specific player I want to see on a team, then I will come back and watch them. But for this specifically, like this is a pretty big deal. Uh, it, it, at least it is to me, but I'm curious if you've got a different take here, maybe you don't think it's such a great idea. Yeah. You know, I, I think in general it's good, right? You want close games. You want close series. When I watch esports, it's always a lot more entertaining when it's close you know, one thing, like kind of the, you mentioned the Apex, and I thought that's a great point, because sometimes the Apex in competitive video games, it's not that fun to watch, right? The Apex sometimes, when, when games get this old and people play them for so long, it's the same mechanics being abused again and again in the exact same parts of the map to, you know, give yourself an advantage and set that advantage for the rest of the game. And then, you know, when you have that advantage, the game can be boring. Um, and when there's there's it's too close. It can get boring. I don't really see League of Legends as being a game that's crazy prone to this, right? Because every 60 seconds, someone's getting an ultimate, right? And they're going to use it and, and someone's using their abilities. Whereas in simpler games like COD, it's kind of shooter be shot. And, you know, when it's close, then it can be, you know, boring for sure. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's interesting. League of Legends, it's transcending esports. It's been popular for so long. It's continuing to be so popular. They're adding new characters. I well, I, I know you're not a big Summoner's Rift guy. I know you're more of a TFT sort of fellow. So I'm not going to dig into you for the, you know, is it getting old comment? Because you know what? Back in the day when the game was out for the first few years, I, I think it was. And for, you know, for a lot of players, they were like, oh, this has been out for a little while. But, uh, you know, it isn't really doing it for me for me anymore. But League of Legends is one of these games, you know, uh, one of those starting MOBAs like uh, similar to Dota 2 where you've got this huge roster of champions now. These these characters that you play inside of the game, for those of you who are not familiar with League of Legends, um, and each new character that gets released, the running joke is, is that it's more powerful than the last one. It's more broken. Riot doesn't balance. They're absolutely dog shit uh, in, in total when it comes to making sure that stuff is balanced so to speak now i i am willing to go out on a limb here and say from my experience just the amount of patches that go out at least every couple of weeks to to month they they feel pretty often to me nowadays and so i don't think the game is as stale or as old as it might be especially jacob because they have started to be, rework older characters in a new light so more more recently they just released the brand new updated reworked version of udir into summoner's rift and it's been a massive change to the champion. It's been dominant as a jungler, and they're probably going to nerf it because it's been it's been really mm. good, and at least from what I've seen. And so there are other champions from when the game first released, such as Aurelian Soul, that have been waiting for a rework mm. for a very long time. And so that's coming. But it's going to take time yeah. to get there. And you know what? When I first started playing League, to be completely uh, to be completely honest with you, Jacob. 
I I legit went, this game is so boring. And it's the same thing over and <laughs> over again. And it wasn't until a couple years later that I reapproached it again and went, well, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, maybe I was just playing like the same character too, too much and like really wasn't branching out. And it was at that experience that I was like, hold on, maybe if I'm not just a shitty one trick pony, I can actually have some fun in this game. And so that's, that's what changed it up for me. I realized that the game yeah. is, doesn't just have to be a boring laning phase for the first 15 minutes. Like there is some roam, there is some reach depending on what characters and what choices you make in the game. Interesting, because that's kind of exactly how I felt when I played. So I've never played Summoner's Rift. I've played like three games. Yeah. But I've played a reasonable <laughs> amount of Wild Rift, right? I played Lucian maybe like 10 games total. And that's kind of how, sure. I, how I felt. It, you know, it felt kind of one-dimensional. And that's because I, you know, I never ventured into the jungle. I never knew when to kill the NPCs. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the the intricacies of League of Legends. Because, right, even the NPCs, right, it's all about the last hit. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of weird how how it all works. Uh, but yeah, last hitting when it comes so CSing, right? When those little minions come up on the screen for you to hit, you want to last hit yeah. those minions in order to not push the wave under tower, uh, so that your opponent has the advantage of being under tower, and then you're struggling to like touch them. Although if you if you're using Lucian, you're able to hit them from some type of range, but that's a lot different. Let's say if you're using Garen or Shen, so a character that relies upon yeah. Being super up close, you know, so it, it it varies. But you're right, you know, if you don't look at the intricacies of the game and start to really understand that, yes, there is a monotony to the game. However, your buildup in that monot monotony builds for a, a very creative end game. That as you as you yeah. learn and play along, this is kind of what I've been picking up now. You know, at first, you, if you'd ask me what's a rune page, I'd be like, I don't, I don't fucking know. But now, <laughs> now, it's a lot different. Now I understand what a lot of the runes do. I don't completely understand, but I, for the champions that I play the most, I understand what works and what doesn't. And so now I really start having fun with the fact that I go, okay, first ten minutes of this game is like the same almost every game. But there's comfort in knowing that that is what's going to create a very open and wide playing field for me to really have some fun down the line. And then from there, who knows what's going to happen. And that is where my current awesome. love for League of Legends stands. And so looking at this and hearing about how these games went to best of fives, more than half of them, like that's great. Really glad to hear. I mean, we've we've all seen uh, playoffs or, or big tournaments like this where you know big teams go up against each other and you're you know you're expecting some big bout and then all of a sudden it just falls flat because the team gets beat out three zero in a best of five set. So it's uh, it's I'm happy to see this. We've talked about it enough. League of Legends. It's a good time. Now let's talk about a video game yeah. that I've talked about for many weeks in a row. Multiverses cannot get over this enough. Just because of the fact that Warner Brothers, one of the larger conglomerates in the animation and, and creative space, owns this game with so many different characters coming together. Uh, I actually watched the, a video from Dunkey that was put out like a few weeks ago. Uh, video game Dunkey, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a fantastic YouTuber. Uh, he basically had some some 
interesting words uh, and and thoughts on the game. He's I, I respect the guy and his takes, although sometimes he's a memer and sometimes he's actually being legit. And for this for this video, uh, he was he was more on the legit, legit side when it came to comparing the Smash lookalike to Nickelodeon's All Star Bash, um, and it was an, an interesting uh, look at the at the game. But that's what not what this article is about. No, this article is about Twitch Rivals, popular Twitch series where they they pin uh, some of the best content creators up against each other. Uh, folks who are definitely not like really good at the games that they're putting up in. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. they'll get like team captains for League of Legends from like Tyler One and uh, some of the some of the other like good good league players. But um, for for this, they are putting up a seventy five thousand dollar multi versus tournament. Yeah, and, it's exciting. You know, if I had not watched Dunkey's video today, I'd be like, yo, this sounds like a really good thing. But after watching Dunkey's video today, I listened to what the online play for this tournament sounds like. And I got to say, if I was playing in this, I'd feel like it was complete luck if I was able to land some of the moves that you're able to land. And I want to know, I, I didn't look into this too too closely, but is it going to be a 1v1 or is it going to be uh, I'm pairing up with my best friend and we're going 2v2 all out chaos type style tournament? That, that would be awesome. And Yes, I'm a yeah. little biased because of what of, of that uh, Dunkin' video that I watched, but I completely agree. The two v two works a whole lot better in just the grand scheme of things when it comes to like entertainment. One v one, the characters are really floaty, and you're like trying your best to land a move, but it's tough. It's hard, hard to do in this game versus All Star Bash or even uh, Super Smash Bros. So I got a question because I played some multiverses. Yeah. Played probably three games. Okay. I couldn't figure out what makes the number go up, right? Is that when you take damage or when you do damage? It's a good question. I um, I can't say I, I'm <laughs> a pro on the side of Jacob. I have to assume that the number the number going up is when you take damage. That's to, like, but, are you but, talking about yeah. like the character, like you yourself taking, like you yourself, the I number think, going I up think, or... It's so odd because it's so odd because like when your number goes at like 150, then you you die, right? But it's like the highest number that hasn't died by the time the end of the game wins, right? So it's like you're trying to take some amount of damage, have some score through taking damage, but make sure you finished your opponent recently before the rollover. It's almost like. You know, it's not an absolute win. It's like kind of playful and creative as to how you win. I, I don't even know if I'm I'm gauging the mechanic correctly. Yeah. So. No, I'm not. I'd have to look into that more to be completely honest. I'm not going to lie to you, Jacob. Um, yeah. It's all good. The biggest thing here is that it's, it's a huge cash tournament that's being sponsored by Twitch Rivals. This is a big sponsorship, especially for a game that just released. Yeah, just I mean, Twitch released. Rivals does it. I mean, they, yeah, they, they've but, got a pretty good thing going with Twitch Rivals. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a well, it's a well watched and well well documented program. It's a good time. It's a good time. You know what's not a good time? This next article. I think it's actually quite embarrassing. Um, you know, esports.net. So make of it as uh, as you will when it comes to just like a general title. But this this article is like crypto gaming. And esports, a partnership nobody expected. Now, I don't know if they're being sarcastic. They could be. 
But reading over this article, it really sounded like they were very genuine about the surprise. Like it, it, they admitted to the fact that they knew that crypto and esports fed off of each other, but for them to truly come together, and then the article goes into Axie, Axie Infinity, and I'm like, whoa, buddy, you are you are like a year plus too late when it comes to talking about the combination of esports and crypto. Uh, Axie, Axie already had its its fall, um, and it has not been a very like tall talking point whatsoever compared to yeah. earlier this year and later last year. Unfortunately, yeah. especially after that, that Ronin hack that had a lot of money taken out of it, um, which the yeah. team, the team said that they were giving back to the players and folks. And so they, they said they've paid that back, but just looking at things now, this article I think is kind of dumb. It's, it's nice that they're talking about it, <laughs> But I'm like, this is a little outdated, don't you think? Like, don't don't you yeah. think Axie? Like, everyone knows about Axie already, and um, mm-hmm. and if you didn't, I I understand because I was like that too. But at the same time, I think that's also a big a big like thing to state too. Like, if you don't know what Axie Infinity is, okay, then you just that's just not a part of the like the internet that you that you look at i mean it wasn't for me to yeah. be completely honest right it, the, it wasn't a big game that's coming out soon is uh alluvium so like the the problem with all these crypto games is they're not like you know they're not incredibly complex games right mm-hmm. there's no there's no league of legends no. that's a crypto game right there's yeah. no game with there's no game with 25 plus characters i mean splinterlands is like the only one but there's there's not very many games that have a ton of characters that have runes attached to them that have in-game items, right? And that stuff is all coming, right? We will see, you know, I guarantee you in 2023 there will be a blockchain game that is either announced or dropped that has, you know, more than fifty million dollars put into it, right? You know, sure. a, a game that's verging on the AAA AAA space. I don't know how much money AAA games take to make. I'm going to guess like 200, 300 million plus. Um, but we'll see something like that. And that's when it's truly going to go crazy, right? When, when, you know, there's a game that's so big and it's on console and, you know, the console has an integration with crypto. You know, I think when consoles have the ability to store NFTs or at least read data from the blockchain, right, that is huge for blockchain gaming. I think that's like a, a, a pillar and a pinnacle that, you know, once we get to and get over, it'll, it'll be, you know, smooth sailing and, and a lot different from there on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's it's a matter of time as technology keeps advancing here, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 find out soon. I'm sure. Like you said, like you said. Up next, uh, this is an interesting article from Esports Insider, talking about Play Versus, a uh, online like tournament hosting organization that like has a, apparently has a monopoly over high school level esports and as you read into this article it kind of gets more and more embarrassing for play versus as you have these major publishers that are coming out after like so the article like in the beginning doesn't really get into like what's what the problem is but then they go and go, they go and say like oh yeah these major companies have basically like separated themselves from play versus to be like yeah we uh, we don't work with them riot which is I'm what, sucked in. you're what 
I'm, I'm seeing it. It's, oh, it's yeah. a little ridiculous, all this stuff. And um, Riot, Riot Games is one of probably the most, like, from what I've seen, they are one of the most educational, friendly companies wanting kids and teens to play League of Legends and, like, one of their IP games. They even came out and were like, yo, we, uh, we do not work with these people. We do not condone them. Yeah. We do not support them whatsoever for for whatever they're doing. Which that's pretty yeah. big. They when cited, you've got when yeah. No, yeah. I mean you hit it on that. They cited bad feedback from you from from across the scholastic esports community. And that's pretty serious. Bad feedback. Like you really gotta be doing something wrong. To, to 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 really like piss off companies like this. And I've got a little bit of background in tournament administration for high school and collegiate level esports. And I I mean, I don't know what you would have done to piss off these companies like this, but man, you must have had to do something big. Something something big or your tournaments were so poorly mismanaged that they somehow got to the higher ups at these companies and they f- they found out and they were like, OK, no more uh, no more play versus. So um, also uh, this company trying to have a, mon- a monopoly on high school esports just sounds really weird, you know, trying to gatekeep and, and it does sound bad. And I think that's why a lot of these companies are like, what are you doing? You know, isn't the whole goal to be more really inclusive? Yes, it is. Like you look at the article and it actually goes into like more specifics about how like they would gatekeep other grassroots organizations from being able to host uh, high school esports stuff. And then like, yeah, like it's it's actually pretty terrible. It's actually pretty terrible. I agree. Because um, a lot of this like east like professional esports stuff you know a lot of these people that are playing at like a professional level they're high school aged like though that's where you farm like your high school players you know in high school right before they get to college before they become an adult and then their brain processing you know fades away uh compared to when they were a teen and could pick up on the you know the subtle nuance of a of a character gliding across the screen in a half a second yeah. uh you know it, it's i'm just exactly. you know i'm making up bullshit here but you understand what i'm talking about um yeah this this is like this is not good it was not a good thing going on i wanted to bring it up cuz i'm like yo this this sounds pretty serious, especially at the educational high school level. Come on, so yeah, I know, I know. We've kind of we've we've really glossed over this one today because the both of us are just sitting here like we don't really know what what's going on with this, other than the, the companies are giving some really vague answers. And when you have a company giving really vague answers, usually something went down, and they don't want you to know about it. So. That period. That's it. That's that's all she wrote. That's it. Okay. Up next, let's uh, let's dive into some Absolutely. NFTs, and I'm pretty excited about this. Meta announcing that Meta and Instagram will now allow you to uh, post and show and display your NFT collections right on Meta and Instagram. Uh, so they, you know, we we talked about this a little while ago at how Instagram was going to be incorporating NFTs into uh, profiles on Instagram. Well, now Meta's getting in on the fun as well, and that's you know, if I look if you look up NFT news for the past day, this is pretty much like the biggest thing going on right now. Uh, Meta has one of the largest social networks in the world. It, it's one of the largest social platforms 
that has people like people profiles like it is a study of people their likes their dislikes their personal and privacy um like uh, pri uh, private information right all of that combined and so when you've got all of that together and then you just go let's market nfts to the people that we know that our our algorithm says that like nfts or crypto and at that point you have officially won when it comes to like yeah we're going to start officially offering nfts can you imagine the facebook groups with thousands of people that are now going to be promoting their nfts yeah. because they could display it on facebook this is pretty big now what i want to know um is the technical aspect behind this right like are you connecting up a wallet and just showing off your your image or are you like moving it from your wallet to like a specific facebook or meta wallet so that it's being held on their platform because if i'm if i'm meta right yeah i don't want somebody just showing me an embed of the image i want that nft on my blockchain slash wallet if that makes sense right i think that makes sense yeah, if you, so, you hear what i'm trying to say it, it, yeah it looks like they have their users connect their wallets so it says users can connect their wallets like Rainbow, MetaMask, Trust, Coinbase, and Dapper okay. to post digital collectibles minted on Ethereum, Polygon, and Flow. Right. Oh, wow. So it looks like it's you connect your wallet. It's like uh, Twitter, right? And then it basically, you know, they've built some sort of API that reads the script from your NFT, you know, mm -hmm. scans it and, and shows the image um, or just pulls it from the blockchain. Uh, it's interesting. You know, Facebook and Instagram have such huge user bases, although they're not incredibly, right? Twitter is much more NFT themed than Facebook or Instagram is. For sure. Right? This or may even be Reddit. more art focused. Yeah, I'd say Reddit is more NFT focused as well. So I don't know what, what this is. Um, you know, it doesn't say, it doesn't seem like it's profile picture focused, although nope. that may be a part of it. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of liked... Twitter's approach better, right? The the legitimized profile pictures because that captured more behind of what the NFTs paywall, were though? at the time. Behind a centralized yeah, the paywall, paywall. Is, you know, it's a paywall. It is what it is. You know, they they, they got to make money somehow. It's, uh, they do, but, they do, but you know, at the same time, is it really supporting crypto if it's not also supporting them financially? I mean, you know. It's we it's it's an interesting yeah, interesting I, thing I, I to bring out. But yeah, no, I I hear you. I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, um okay. Yeah. Something that uh you know, next topic here. This was an embarrassment at the VMAs last night. This I we had to bring this up. So Snoop Dogg and Eminem had like a little performance, right? Well, you know, the the start of their act is them getting high as heck on a couch. And then all of a sudden, the performance like, like transfers over to like this video of the two of them virtually, which looked like shit. And then to to make it even really? worse, it went from them as like virtual avatars to their board ape avatars. And then like they, you know, the VMAs was using like virtual reality type stuff. So that looked kind of cool, but the graphics and like overall, like it looked pretty bad. It looked pretty bad, and the article goes into how like the fact that it didn't look good. Now, the article is coming from Kotaku, and so I'm going to say take this with a grain of salt because Kotaku likes to be heavily critical sometimes without actual reasoning. Oh, yeah. Um, if you go and watch the video, though, I, and I, I did actually go and watch the video, um, 
like the it was pretty like it just wasn't fun to look at like i i understand what they were doing and like this was a huge flex i mean if i am yuga labs right now <laughs> like i better be kissing the ass of snoop dogg and eminem for pushing my board apes on like national television like this because remember how yeah. we talked a while back about how if cele celebrities can't just be pushing these these nfts without like disclosing like that they're making money how much freaking money that these two make or are they going to make off of promoting their board apes like this? Because if I know nothing about yeah. NFTs, which might be a lot of people watching the VMAs, I'm going to be real. And you go, why are, why are there two fucking apes on my screen for Snoop Dogg and Eminem? First thought would be this is racist as shit, right? If I knew nothing about board apes. And then I go, actually, wait. This has nothing to do with racism. This is like a weird trend or, oh, it's an NFT. Oh, 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 oh board ape NFTs. Oh, can I be a part of this club? Oh, I'm going to go buy. I mean, <laughs> oh it's, a, it's, a, it's a long winding slope down to I'm going to become a, a board ape holder. Have you ever seen, I love this, have you ever seen the Twitter posts of people who go, I finally did it. After months of suffering and anguish, after saving every penny I could, I finally bought a board. Like an, they're like, I finally joined the ape community. And the comments under these posts are so funny. They're like, congratulations. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You've officially done it. I'm like, you're proud that someone spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, to join your little cult? I mean, okay, it really only benefits the people that are already a part of it. If the floor price goes up a little bit, I mean, you know, it's good, crazy. It, it is crazy. But like, this is the thing we talk about when it comes to financial disclosures. You know, having Eminem and Snoop Dogg perform with their board apes is not just a, oh, look at me, I'm performing with my board apes. I mean, everything like this has a purpose. I mean, the VMAs is a giant music marketing event, right? Every time an artist fucking won, for example, Taylor Swift won an award and was like, so I decided that if y'all were kind enough to give me an award, I was going to announce my new album this October, Midnights. And so she did. If she ha Now, if this event wasn't happening, right, obviously it probably would have been announced at a different time in a different way. But this is a huge marketing event. And what better way to get Bored Ape out there than with a you know private concert at the event with Snoop Dogg and Eminem that's broadcasted yeah. out with their Bored Apes during the performance? I mean, I got a, I got a funny quote. Please. It says, not going to lie, I didn't think an NFT performance could be good, one person said. And I was absolutely right. This is fucking terrible. <laughs> yes. It, I can't imagine being there in person having to watch that. And yeah. even the clip of them, try, like me trying to listen to what Snoop Dogg was saying later in that, in that video, I couldn't understand it. And I was just like, this This probably was not the most fun performance of the night. You know, sometimes as these rappers and stuff get older, maybe transition out of the rap game and transition into something else. Like, Snoop, you're into esports and being like a, a big branded star with your old songs. Stick with that. Eminem still got it. But you know what? Eminem still got it, yeah. 
Yeah, and Eminem can Snoop, never lose Snoop it. does too, but I I don't know this video just he Snoop's probably, quite a gamer. Yeah, he is. Snoop's pretty. He's good at NBA 2K and he's pretty good at COD. Like he's oh, surprisingly yeah. good at COD. Oh yeah, I, he's uh, good. I've seen some clips. He's, we've all seen the clips. Yeah. They're fucking hilarious, is what they are. Yeah. Him just like no scoping people and just like deadpan, like no reaction. I'm like, oh my god, this is too <laughs> funny. This is too funny. You know what's also too funny? This next article about how Coinbase's uh, total volume has now plunged 99% over the past 90 days. Wow. OpenSea, I'm sorry. Not Coinbase. OpenSea. Oh, OpenSea Which, turns that's, into that's NFT bigger. ghost town. Yeah. After daily volume plunges 99% from peak. 99%. That is a lot. I remember when the peaks were going on. Mm-hmm. It'll say here. So the the notably the marketplace processed nearly five million dollars worth of NFT transactions on August twenty eighth. Right, that's two or three days ago. Approximately ninety nine percent lower than its record high of four hundred and five million on May first. So is this volume being made up on Solana, or I think it's just NFTs are are kind of dropping. Right, I don't think all of this volume is going to Solana. That would be crazy. I think the merge is coming, and I think a lot of people are waiting to see what's going to happen with their ETH, right? I, I talked to my buddy. We, we we know him well. It's been a while since we've mentioned him, Jackson Barr. And, um, you know, he's, he's very much well-versed in this crypto stuff. And I go, are you transferring back to ETH because of the merge? He goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I have I have tra- you know sold off some of my NFTs to to see what's going to happen for this merge. I mean, you know, to, to, this is a really really big deal for the algorithm to change. Yeah. Um, and so, a lot of people are getting ready for it. In fact, I got an email from Robinhood today that that was uh, warning users that when the merge does occur, withdrawals for any of their cryptocurrencies are going to be affected. And so they're predicting high volatility during this event. And so they are, you know, forewarning folks to just say, yeah, it's going to be unavailable. We, yeah. uh, we're not going to get caught up in the, in the bowl of, of uh, you know, of uh, COVID, COVID craze with uh, crypto again. Uh, yeah. We're just they, letting you know now, which once again, a couple times during the yeah. Crashed. Okay. No, they were just lose hemorrhaging money because people, yeah. the people were actually making money, and the company was like, "Actually, we are not here for this. We're not here oh. for people to make legitimate money." But that's what the, that's what was happening. And so the app is well known these days to just like coincidentally crash when the market's volatile to the point where it's like, "Ooh, I should sell off." Oh, sorry, unavailable to sell or withdraw at this time. Yeah. Ooh, it, it's weird. Sorry. It, it let me it let me buy Solana about three weeks ago and then Solana dropped twenty five percent and and now I can't withdraw Solana in New York City. <laughs> yep. Convenient. Yeah, but, conveniently. Uh, okay. But this is a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, is it is it just the bubble popped, obviously. There was a bubble. People recognized it. It had a high. It's obviously dropped. However, it isn't a steady line. Uh, the history of OpenSea and crypto is that it is in peaks. So it will return, right? Yeah. We've seen some some blue chip projects come back and forth here. But we just don't know when. 
it could be after the merge happens so that ETH kind of stabilizes out and that uh, different projects maybe uh, try different ways of of kind of remaking themselves for something a little bit closer to what ETH is kind of doing with itself now. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Absolutely. It's going to take time. Uh, this next article is just pure. Uh, this the, this week's theme is just capitalism just is, is winning, right? Um, this next article is just... Uh, talks about how all these big brands, iconic brands including Nike, Gucci, they've made approximately two hundred and sixty million dollars off of NFT sales. Yeah, not bad, sure. not bad for a company wanting to get into a space that doesn't have a lot of startup costs. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it looks like a lot of this is Nike. Looks like one hundred and eighty-five of it, one hundred eighty-five million of it is Nike. Yeah. Um, but remember, Nike bought RTFKT, um, which was really a big, popular like PFP NFT studio, right? They're a studio that builds NFTs for partners, okay. and Nike bought them. Well, right? They, hey, they did some. Out. They had some drops that were like you know twelve ETH floor price. They had multiple drops that are like ten plus floor price, um, and those are all owned by Nike now, right? So casual. casual. It's interesting though because Nike is really the. Nike's the big company that's that's been the most in NFTs, right? Well, uh, their shoes are collectible, so why not virtually? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, yeah, Nike, forward thinking company. Yeah. Well, is it forward thinking or is it just like profiting off of the people who want to say that they've collected a, a you know, a limited edition whatever from a company so that they can it's try a, to a little bit of both. Later? It's probably a little bit of both, recognizing resale value later on if if there is resale value, if the company proves itself to be something where resale value is legit. Like, for example, Coca-Cola. People take old Coca-Cola products all the time and they go, ooh, you know, this is from this date of this year at this time. Whether it be a sign, a drink tray, a cup, a, an old bottle with soda still in it with the lid on, like, who knows, you know? Nike, a little bit of a different company, not not focused around a beverage, but rather many different different designs of shoes. If something's virtual, you can you can do anything you want to that. And that that's just where the creativity begins. So I mean can you imagine if if Nike took its like custom shoemaker, because I know they, they have like a custom shoe designing feature on their site, at least yeah. they have in the past. Can you imagine if you could do that and then make that into an NFT and then get a physical pair of shoes from yeah. buying that NFT that sick. you had designed? That would be sick, yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good comma right there. Could charge up the wazoo for that, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. A uh, couple ending articles here, Jacob. The second to last one, Indonesia tech firm GoTo buys a local crypto exchange for $84 million. Yeah. You know, local crypto exchanges can be valuable because, you know, people in certain locations, they just go to the site that they know. They go to the site that everybody else knows. Right? There's a popular one called coins.ph right now that recently popped up. Oh, and it's making okay. waves in the Philippines because there's benefits to using it while in the Philippines. You know, that's the community that uses it and everyone talks about it and it's branded towards them and they love that. So local crypto exchanges have value, right? It's like local small banks in a sense, right? They're making money from the people that live around them. And you know, as long as they're in good locations like Indonesia, that's bound to be 
you know, relatively into crypto. Um, oh, yeah. Sense. For sure. For sure. It's a big purchase, though. $84 million. Yeah. And, and right now, during a crypto and, you know, NFT winter, I mean, maybe they're getting it at a deal. Who knows? You know, this... Hopefully, hopefully it's good for him because uh, that's a lot of money to drop right now, especially. And last but certainly not least, if Bloomberg's talking about it, then we might as well too. The Ethereum merge, what to expect. So it's this article from Bloomberg to let their readers know, okay, this is what's happening. And it basically talks about the basics of how Ethereum is changing algorithms to, to, to kind of following along a different model. And it's, it's honestly a, a great educational insight into what to expect, as the article suggests on here's what to expect from the Ethereum merge, you know, that everyone's talking about. Because uh, it's coming up, and it was delayed. I didn't know, you know, it was delayed for a very long time. Yeah, it and was. so this is actually like super big for a lot of people that have been following this for quite a while. Um, so you know, happy for folks who are excited for this, and good luck to those who are all in on the ETH train, uh, because it's either gonna go up, 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 or it's gonna crash and burn. Yeah. Um, although I, I doubt it's gonna crash and burn. I highly doubt it's going to do that. Well, if there's a, if the uh, if the merge messes up, that could be real bad, right? If if the Ethereum blockchain goes down for like two days, the sell pressure when it gets back could be crazy. And if it gets back and it's not you know well merged, and if it, if it if the merge fails for two days and it's still proof of work, I mean, uh, could be some sell pressure. But you know, just given right now how down ETH is, how down everything in crypto is. If ETH shows some major improvement and some scalability, you know people are just going to sell their other currencies and buy ETH, right? Uh, so well, I think it's, fun, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, because Bitcoin did just hit twenty thousand again more recently in the past day. It did reach that threshold, but I mean that's pretty low considering to what it was like before earlier this year and later last year. So we'll see. Uh, a lot of people are bullish and very hopeful on this. I'm a little indifferent. I don't, I'm not sure. You know, I'll, I'll sit back and let watch the other people who have invested their life savings into it either get lucky because they chose red or go bad because they chose black. I mean, honestly, to me, it feels like you're playing roulette at this point. Mm. It really Love does. It. I mean, you if you if I was more well informed and really knew what was going to be going on, maybe I, I have a little bit more financial education than uh, let's say me in the current moment right now. But at the at the current moment, it feels like you're playing a little bit of roulette to be like, okay, is this gonna is this gonna do as well as I want it to? Is it gonna double my money, triple my money? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Absolutely. So we'll see. We'll see in the time. Here. Game for some. I'm excited though for when it does finally happen for us to talk about it a little bit more at length and uh hopefully it, it turns out for the better i didn't even think that it could go wrong or go bad i mean yeah. i can't imagine what eth would do or what people would do if eth went down that would yeah. be so weird yeah it would, it would be bad for but sure. you know what we used to live in a world where eth did not exist so it is entirely possible what a crazy world that you know, was i can't even imagine you know can you yeah you know what drives me crazy and it's like it's not even related but it's like, 
how do you go from having a phone in your hand with some of the most like intense processing power that money can buy literally in the palm of your hand? And then you look at a tree outside and you go, we went from like carving wood to build like, you know, basic necessities to like mining minerals and ore and going, yeah, we can run electrical currents through these in a very specific way for us to be able to project light that our eyes can see on a spectrum of visible light in order for us to experience something by physical touch on a touch screen. It's like, what the hell? Like I, I always, I always like to say, how the frick did we go from wood to a smartphone to blockchain to technology and it's, you know, it's obviously through many, many decades and centuries of innovation and the industrial revolution and more and, and basically automation at the end of the day, right? People wanting mm-hmm. to automate tasks and, and use computers and, and uh, different types of robots in order to, uh, to do the jobs of, of everyday people. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, I, it I think is. It's, it's, fun. it's crazy. But yeah, hey, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you got to hop off here, myself included. Thanks for watching the video today, everybody. If you enjoyed this program, be sure to follow us on our streaming platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like this video. Comment down below what you'd like to hear more of. And actually, don't forget, we are going to be hearing from our good buddy, Deuce Crypto going to be back on the podcast this week for an eSports Forever interview. It's been a while, but we're ready to have it back once again and hopefully get some more of these interviews flowing and going. Maybe check up on some of our old crypto friends, NFT friends as well. Who knows? Axie Infinity is still out there. It's still going. And I'm curious to see if Axie Origins lives up to the hype. But for now, folks, that's all we got for today. Until next time, we out.